0: Welcome to the broadcast of Better Together, Democrats and Republicans who love America. All right, we've got some updates on gun control, and we've got some contributions from both sides of the aisle, which I'm happy to hear. So we're going to include those because this is Better Together. Polarized or not, Better Together. Trying to Get my software working here. Okay. For some reason, the phone was silencing or going to sleep mode too quick. Okay. A lot of articles. I want to catch up on some China news, some Israel news, and then today. So there's some encouraging uh, news about our country, America, and our position about Xinjiang, which is the city in China that is holding the one million um, detained in concentration camps that are fueling global supply chains under duress. Modern day slavery, essentially, with torture and all of you, what you can imagine that the Chinese communists are very, very adept at doing to keep those rollback prices flowing in. So let's read how we're dealing with this. And this is on the heels, by the way, of Deutschwells, Xinjiang Files report. From their inside data. So I like that this is our response. This is from Jerusalem Post. Before I go into it too, if you like this podcast, um, if you think it's adding value to your life, um, tell people about it, will you? I try to do a pretty good job at being balanced with both Republican and Democratic points of view, which is rare to find. Um, I try to give insights into bigger pictures that sometimes journalists leave out. (coughs) And I try to remind us all that we are better together. Um, So if you find it helpful, it's also kind of just a great way to catch up on your daily news in an hour just listening to me. So I hopefully you like it. I have almost 100 downloads. So it's a pretty relatively new podcast. So. It must be appealing to some of you, but uh, pass on, you know, forward, post, however you want to promote it, because I would love to be able to get this to as many people as possible. Okay, this is Jerusalem Post, uh, that is the company, the periodical, by Reuters. Okay, I guess reposted by Reuters No author name mentioned MSN.com This is U.S. is ready to implement ban on goods from Xinjiang, China On June 21st <clears throat> Excuse my coughing Which no doubt will be continual Because I live in a succulent pollen area um, And I'm allergic But that's life in the mild climates Okay U.S. authorities are ready to implement a ban on imports from China's Xinjiang region with when a law requiring it becomes enforceable later in June. A U.S. customs official said on Wednesday, adding that it was a very high level of evidence would be required for an exemption. U.S. President Joe Biden in December signed into law the Uyghur Force Labor Prevention Act. In an effort to safeguard the U.S. market from products potentially tainted by human rights abuses in Xinjiang, where the U.S. government says China is committing genocide. This would be equivalent to the Jews in the concentration camps and anyone Hitler didn't like, pretty much. Which was a lot of diverse groups, but majority were Jews. So that we're still living this now there's countries that want to admit it and see it and countries that don't and as it was back at, back then just history repeating itself just different groups this time just want to be rock solid on that when you go to Walmart with your rollback prices and we need to think about that okay against so it's helpful for our country to ban this stuff to also keep us out of all of the consumers out of it yes and talk about it and read about it and Openly protest it, and refuse to look at China as a as a business, just as you wouldn't look at the Nazis as business people. Okay, that's my little point there. Where are the U.S. government says China is committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims? The law includes a rebuttal presumption that all goods from Xinjiang, (laughs) where Chinese authorities established detention camps or concentration camps. For Uyghurs and other Muslim groups are made with forced labor bars, bar, to bar their import unless it can be proven otherwise. Read full story. China denies abuses in Xinjiang, a major cotton producer that is also supplying much of the world's materials for solar panels, says the laws slander the country's human rights situation. Some lawmakers have supported, U.S. lawmakers have supported requests by Customs and Border Protection for more um, budget to effectively implement that provision, which goes into effect June 21st. <coughs> CPB preparations. We're all on a very tight time frame. Elva Munton CB, CBP's acting executive director for Ulfpa implementation task force said. The expectation is that we will be ready to implement the Uyghur Act on June 21st. Then we have the resources, Menton told Webinar in enforcing the law. So to question is, are we ready to implement? Yes, we are, she said. Importers will have the option option to re-export prohibited cargo. Back to the country of origin, and any exemptions to the presumption must be granted by the CPB commissioner and reported to Congress," Munton said. "It's important to know that the level of evidence that's going on, that's going to be sorry, it's going to be required by the Uyghur Act is very high," she said. "It's going to require documentation, clear and convincing evidence that the supply chain of the product that's being imported is free from forced labor." It's going to, so just not their word for it, finally, because you can't take the Communist Party of China's word for anything. It's going to require documentation, clear and convincing evidence that the supply chain of the product that's being imported is free from forced labor. CPB will be able to issue penalties against importers in the case of fraud, she said. Beijing, initially denied the existence of any detention camps, but then later admitted it had set up vocational trading centers necessary to curb what it said was terrorism, separatism, and religious radicalism in Xinjiang. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's very good that we are taking a stronger stance on this. Um, of all the allied countries, our country, America, we vacillate. The Republicans would be really strong. I think Tom Cotton's been really good about calling out China regarding um, the coronavirus. I haven't heard him lately call out too much about the Xinjiang. So Tom Cotton, um, Senator of Arkansas, I believe, is it Senator congressman Oh, you know, he's been the most outspoken about China, but about the coronavirus, but I haven't heard him lately about the Uyghur Muslims. I haven't heard him lately about the forced labor fueling the quote-unquote global supply chains. And some Republicans drool because they get excited about the profit made from the slave labor. I mean, as was the history of pre-Civil War and such. And you know, vacillation and oftentimes just benign neglect on the Democratic Party about even talking about this, which is such a hypocrisy because we're supposed to be the party of progressives and human rights and human justices. And yet it can be pretty quiet on the left. I mean, Michael Moore hasn't talked about it at all. And I mean, he's one of the most notable progressives. So I don't know if it's just cowardice. I don't know what it is, but if you're a real progressive, if you're a real Democrat, you have to cry out injustice wherever you see it. And it's no better pointed out than Xinjiang. Um, So Republicans have defaulted into the conscience, those that are involved. And then obviously this is written by Biden. So finally, you know, he's showing leadership about it. And, you know, it's fun to just sit there and pretend that the Chinese are right and there's just re-education camps. Until our wonderful Germany ally actually did a full report on it. And no one could no longer self-deceive, I can say. So France and Germany have been long conscious builders, conscience builders about the conscience, really, of the allies, um, allied nations, to really call it out consistently and clearly, and not let profit get in the way. And I don't know if Australia has called on it too much. But certainly, you know, America and the UK have been overly fixated on profiting from those said global supply chains of said million Muslim slaves, so to speak, um, and have been in denial about it until there was real evidence. Well, there's evidence now, so you can't deny it. So I like that I'm reading U.S. is banning goods from Xinjiang. I haven't read about the BBC my, my. Prime Minister Boris has been very fixated on the Chinese market and the profitability. But we haven't heard heard from dear Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the UK, about these injustices. No, no. Just the drooling, wide-eyed, tenacious fixation on the market. So this is the problem, you know. And my country is just as bad, you know, certainly. And yet we'll have these like uprisings of justice, conscious reminders in America, and it'll flitter and fail just as fast as it, it as it sticks. Yet the consistent record has been France and Germany with a consistent... Um, Admit, you know, belief that these injustices are going on and proof and have stood the moral ground. So now we are joining the moral ground. Thank you, President Biden, for, you know, creating this act so that we will ban all goods from Xinjiang. Okay. And with this high level of evidence, it doesn't leave room for a squeaky bit. And, you know, why is China being um, entrusted with manufacturing the solar panels? I mean, that's great that it's solar panels versus some other toxic product, but it's um, it's still tainted with the labor force. And never think it's not. Okay. So... There's some forward motion with our country getting a conscience about it. Uh, Boris, your move. Haven't haven't heard from you. Haven't read about you. Yes. I'm no, never letting the UK get away with it, by the way, ever. You have to hold the British feet to the fire because every ally knows that. <laughs> I mean, no. You cannot just sit quietly there. Okay. We see you. Anyway, um... Next topic, wait a minute, what is going on with this? I mean, I will sum up. In this title, Beijing chafes at Moscow's request for support. Chinese officials say Moscow has, on at least two occasions, pressed Beijing to offer new forms of economic support. Exchanges for Chinese officials describe as tense. Okay, so, you know, the two Darth Vaders, Boris, sorry, not Boris, um, Vladimir, and um, presidency, you know, Two Darth Vaders double-betraying each other as Star Wars metaphor goes. Now we won't help you. Of course you won't. Except they'll unite on more principal tanks. But actual support, no. So, let's see. I'm on a China roll here, so let's see if there's any more... China bashing that must be done because it must be for the voices of those trapped there, okay, so much information I'm pause, can I pause? I can't pause I can. I don't know how. I don't know where the button is. I'm not going to (laughs) pause. I'm going to keep going. Sorry. Um, Oh, I thought I had more than that. There was something about Korea where it was... I thought I had that. It was China and Russia standing up for North Korea and the veto of the UN. Oh, well. Such is life. So now we will go on to... An environmental topic. Um, And we're going to say this is. What is this? Uh, Wind turbines. Come on phone. Don't go to sleep. Okay. This is USA. USA, Sorry for the slow delivery by the way too. It's at the end of my night. So. checked. Energy costs of wind turbine manufacturing recouped in months, USA Today, by Kate Peterson. Last, or it was Tuesday. The claim, a wind turbine must spin continuously for seven years to replace energy required to manufacture it. Not true. Wind power is the largest source of renewable energy in the U.S. And boy, are those winds everywhere, aren't they? Fueling the fires... All over our country. Gotta capture that free energy there. Um here we go. Wind power is the largest source of renewable energy in the U.S., and it now accounts for more than 9% of electrical gener- electricity generated in the country, according to the Energy Information Administration. Got to up that. As the supply of energy has expanded, critics have questioned its use. Recently, social media posts have alleged that wind power is inefficient and unnecessarily expensive. Hmm, who could be posting about that? Could that be the fossil fuel the turbine has to spin continually for seven-plus years just to replace the energy it took to manufacture the turbine, reads part of the caption in April 16th Facebook post. The post garnered nearly 800 interactions. Versions of the claim also spread on Twitter. However, the post is wrong. Wind turbines recoup the energy required to build them within a year of normal operation, according to researchers. USA Today reached out to the Facebook users who shared the post for the comment. The Twitter user could not be reached. One Facebook user send it services LLC sent USA Today articles that did not support the claim. Energy used to build Word turbine is recouped in months. Wind turbines recouped the energy expended within a year of normal operation according to Eric Lance, wind analysis manager at National Renewable Energy Laboratory. That said, many studies have estimated that even quicker time periods between four and eight months, he told USA Today in an email, Ryan Weiser, a scientist at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, who specializes in renewable electricity systems, reviewed 20 studies of wind power energy payback time frame for 2011 IPCC renewable energy report. He found that The median reported energy payback time for wind power plants was 5.4 months, he told USA Today in an email. Financial cost of wind turbine earned back within a lifetime. The social media post also alleges alleges that wind turbine would have to run continuously for 50 years to recoup the financial cost of manufacturing and installation. This assertion is incorrect. Michael Howland, an assistant professor of civil and environmental engineering at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, he told USA Today in an email he he noted that the investors wouldn't fund wind turbine projects if this man was accurate. The energy market is a market. He said, wind farms have to be financially viable. The time frame required to earn back the financial costs of turbine manufacturing and installation is dependent on factors such as local wind resources, the turbine model, electricity prices, and financing agreement. Approximately 10 to 12 years of normal operation is reasonable, rough estimate to recoup the investment, according to Howland. If wind turbines took 50 years, as long as the post alleges to pay off, they wouldn't be financially, they wouldn't be financed. Because turbines are currently not expected to last that long, said Lance. Wind turbines tend to be financed based on an assumption of 20 years of life, though they can last longer. If it takes too long to recover the initial investment capital, it's not economic and won't move forward, he said post makes other misleading statements. The social post media post also includes the claim that majority of parts for wind turbine are built in Germany. However, the Department of Energy reports that there's a significant domestic production of wind turbine parts. For wind turbine installed in the U.S., 60 to 75% of towers and 30 to 50% of blades and hubs are manufactured domestically. More than 85% of Nassil symbols, which house the drivetrain, were also made in the U.S. The Post also includes a photo of oil spilling out of the wind turbine and criticizes the industry for using oil, a fossil fuel, for lubrication. But, jo- but Jordan Van Dam a mechanical engineer researcher at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory told USA Today in an email that oil is not burned, it is replaced by about every five years and then is recycled. When leaks do occur, they are typically caught before the oil reaches the ground, Van Dam said. The Post also corrected states that correctly states that the wind turbine blades are often landfilled at the end of life. While that is true, wind turbine blades are technically recyclable, and industry leaders have pledged to implement widespread recycling programs. Even if your wind turbine blades continue to be landfilled for decades, they would still only represent a small fraction of the U.S. waste system. A National Renewable Energy <coughs> Laboratory said, found that without recycling point. 2 million tons of wind turbine blades waste could end up in the U.S. landfills by 2050, but the U.S. landfills more than 65 times that amount of trash in 2018 alone. Based on our research, we rate false the claim that a wind turbine must spend continuously for seven years to replace the energy required to manufacture it. Wind turbines typically recoup the energy expenditure in less than a year. And a long lingering list of fact checks, which we won't go through. So, Um, let's talk about Israel. Sure. Israel wants complete control of Palestine land. So this is from al Tuesday, no author. Um, Israel wants complete control of Palestinian land, UN report. An independent commission of inquiry set up by the UN Human Rights Council after the 2021 Israeli assault on the besieged Gaza Strip said, Israel must do more than end the occupation of land that Palestinian leaders want for a future state. Ending the occupation alone will not be sufficient, according to the report released on Tuesday urging that additional action to be taken to ensure the equal enjoyment of human rights for Palestinians. The report cites evidence that Israel has no intention of ending the occupation. Israel—that's a mistake. Israel is pursuing complete control over what the report calls the occupied Palestine territory, including East Jer- Jerusalem, which was taken by the Israel by taken by Israel in a 1967 war, and later annexed in a move never recognized by the international community. The Israeli government, the commission said, had been acting to alter the dem- demography. Demography through the maintenance of repressive environment for Palestinians and a favorable envi- environment for Israeli settlers. Citing an Israeli Law denying naturalization to Palestinians married to Israeli citizens. The report accuses Israel of affording a different civil status, rights, and legal protection for Palestinian citizens of Israel. More than 700,000 Israeli settlers now live in a settlement and outpost across the West Bank and eastern Jerusalem, which is home to more than 3 million Palestinians. The Israeli settlements are fortified Jewish-only housing complexes that are considered illegal under international law. Leading human rights groups, including Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International, have equated Israeli policies against Palestinians to apartheid. Which it is. It's the technical definition. It's not the full scope. It's not the equivalent of South Africa's struggle. But on technical definitions, yes. Yes root causes of the conflict the u.n inquiry and report was prompted by the 11-day israeli military offensive in may oh i don't know that that's true the u.n wait a minute the u.n inquiry and report was prompted by the 11-day israeli military offensive offensive i think not excuse me that's a lie El Jiraza, whatever, whoever wrote this, Um, military offensive in May 2021. Um, No, no, no. I followed that entire war, the 11-day war, which still doesn't have a name. And it was provoked clearly by the thousands and thousands of rockets, initially hundreds, then thousands, launched by Palestine, by Hamas, which were terrorists, there are Palestinians that are not terrorists, but there are plenty of Palestinians that are terrorists, part of Hamas, which is a recognized terrorist group. They initiated the violence, and Israel used the Iron Dome to defend itself. I'm just going to set the record straight here. So... That we now the UN is framing this author is framing it as a eleven day Israeli military offense in May twenty twenty one during which more than two sixty Palestinians of Gaza were killed. Yeah, and how were they killed exactly? Oh right, that's right. Hamas was using their own citizens as human shields, women and children. Are you not mentioning that in the article? Interesting. Okay. I'm calling it out because I guess this author thinks that no one remembered the details. I remember the details. Okay. And 13 people died in Israel. True. Israel had a very low death count in the war of the 11 days of 2021 of May, which is a year ago, almost a year ago. Okay. Yeah, why was that? Well, because Israel took great means to protect its citizens, both Palestine and Israeli, and everything in between, to protect them, and did so thoughtfully to reduce their own casualties. Unlike Hamas, who could care less and was fine using women and children as human shields, as we all saw— and oh, the death count. So now this author is going to propagandize this and reframe the entire war as if it's some sort of Israeli provocation? No. I think not. Okay. In May 2021, Hamas fired... Okay, at least he's acknowledging it now. Fired rockets. I got a little ahead of myself. Fired rockets toward Israel after Israeli forces cracked down on Palestine worshippers in an Al-Asqa mosque compound. Um, Islam's third holy estate, where dozens were injured and detained. It also followed an Israeli court decision to forcibly expel Palestinian families from Sheikh Jarrah, a neighborhood of East Jerusalem. The inquiry's mandate included investigation of alleged human rights abuses before and after Israel's onslaught against Gaza, and sought to investigate the root cause of the conflict. Yeah, well, we all know what the root cause cause of the conflict is the root cause of the conflict was the UN in the creation of what we now know as the state of Israel, um, given to the Jews to have their own sovereign land. Um, Post World War II, the UN. Itself, who declared that, who gave that, who bestowed it to Israel, was inconsiderate of the Palestinian needs at the time. Okay? So it wasn't like the Jews who were, you know, trying to hobble together to at least have a land to govern themselves after the onslaught of World War II, you know, were crafty and trying to work their deal or something for the Palestinians to be not considered. It was the UN who brokered the deal of the creation of Israel as we know it in 1948. Okay, so where did the error come? Where was the root cause? The root cause was in the UN's insensitivity itself of the Palestinians living there at the time and saying, here, you, Jews, you can have all this, and them saying, thank you, and taking it and wanting to hold on to it. Okay. So that's what the story is. So now we're in the era, I'm just going off on my own tangent here. We're in the era where everybody's reflecting over past wrongs, right? It's the time, it's the climate. We're all reflecting over the past wrongs. Our country in America is looking and giving, bestowing slavery reparations, which I guess is going well. It's very kind of inconsistent. But many states have participated in slavery reparations to black Americans, okay, and the descendants, I should say, the descendants, and Canada with the indigenous and making, um, making at least admitting the atrocities done on the indigenous in their country and attempting to right wrongs, and us as well, Um, with the encouragement of Native American communities to kind of come out. And I don't really know. We're trying to help them to share their culture, be profitable. I mean, casinos are there, obviously, uh, to help with the money. But, you know, the idea that the Native Americans are going to get all their land back is absolutely not going to happen. But we're trying to help them at least reclaim some dignity Um. So we're at this place where reparations are being issued. There's a greater support for Native Americans than ever before. Native American resurgence. It happens at different times. And even Canada is looking at its wrongs and... Israel needs to do the same. Israel has to do the same. It has to look and go, yeah, this wasn't our decision originally. This was the UN that bestowed it to us. They didn't consider the Palestinians. It's caused these conflicts, Um, and we need, as Israel needs, to remedy the situation. Okay, I don't think by giving the Palestinians, you know, entirety of the lands they want. No, I don't think that's the solution. I don't think Israel should give and forfeit over its lands given to it by the UN in 1948. I think it it, or this other 67. I think it needs to create a two state solution for the disputed territories of which both can enjoy in peace and co-ownership like the metaphor of a timeshare where Everybody's name's on the deed, and there are rules, and yet there is a co-ownership there. So I don't think this is rocket science. I think Israel can do this. I think the 11-day war victory, which is obviously only slightly a year old, they won that war. Um, They can take their power and their strength and their Iron Dome and uh, broker this with the Palestinians. Yes. So, okay, let's see what else he writes. At least he's admitting the facts. I, I jumped the gun, I admit, but I was like, I did not like this framing at the beginning. Like this is really propaganda here. Okay. Facts are facts. The inquiry mandate included investigation of alleged human rights abuses before and after Israel's onslaught against Gaza. Well, Israel's onslaught against Gaza, I don't even like that language. Israel's defense against the thousands of rockets shot into its country, of which many a Palestinian were um, potentially endangered as well. Let's phrase it that way. And sought to also investigate the root cause. I already read that. Hamas welcomed the report and urged the prosecution of Israeli leaders in what it said were crimes against the Palestinian people. The Palestinian Authority also praised the report and, caused, and called for accountability in a matter that puts an end to an Israel's impu- impunity. Israel minutes, in Israel's Ministry of Foreign Affairs called the report a waste of money and effort that amounted to a witch hunt. That's kind of a lame response. Israel boycotted the inquiry, accusing it of bias and barred entry to its investigators to Israel and Palestine territories, leading investigators to collect testimonies from Geneva and Jordan. The report will be discussed at the Geneva based UN Human Rights Council next week. The U.S. quit the Council in 2018 over what it described as chronic bias against Israel and only fully rejoined this year. And what, okay, the commission headed by former UN Rights Chief Navy Pillay. Navi Pillay is the first to have an ongoing mandate from the UN rights body. Proponents say the commission is needed to keep tabs on persistent injustices faced by Palestinians under decades of Israeli occupation, which does need to be corrected. I am on that train. Um, But I don't think it has to be corrected by relinquishment of land. I am not on that train. Um, I am on the creative train in the um, you know cooperative train, and the compromising train, in a way that's fair. Okay, so let's see what Israel thinks about this. And I'm pro-Israel. I believe in it. I believe it has the right to exist. I believe in certain parts to be the one-state solution. I believe in a two-state solution for the disputed territories. Everybody's happy with that idea. Al again. Israel coalition fails to pass bill in upholding settler law. This was Monday. Israeli government has failed to pass a bill that would renew and uphold the legal status of illegal Israeli settlers in the occupied West Bank, marking a significant setback for the fragile coalition that could hasten its demise. The failure to renew the bill on Monday highlighted a separate legal system in the occupied West Bank where nearly 500,000 Israeli settlers enjoy the benefits of Israeli citizenship and law while some 3 million Palestinians live under military rule that is now well into its sixth decade. Three leaders, three leading human rights groups have said the situation in the occupied territory amounts to apartheid for Palestinians. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's coalition remains in power but the vote underscored the weakness and divisions of the fragile alliance and raises questions about how it can how long it can survive. Okay, and they have a map here. And by the way, we're not talking about lots of land. This is why I am pushing for the compromise and the creation of a two-state solution for just the disputed territories because it's just not that much. It's not that many square miles or kilometers. And we're not even talking a million people here. This is not even half the population of of Los Angeles. Okay, so this is workable, Israel. Um, Monday's vote, defeated by a 58-52 margin, that's not by many, went far beyond the contours of the legal debate. <sighs> Shoot, why do they always put a thing right? It blocks my ability to read this article because of this ad here. Well, sorry, folks, just going to skim. Bennett's government came together last year after two years of political mayhem for elections producing no clear winner. The coalition made up of eight ideological distinct parties that include both supporters and opponents of the settlements pledge to sidestep divisive issues that could threaten its survival. Monday's vote showed how difficult the mission has been. Vote did not immediately topple the government. It's still possible for the coalition to present a modified version of the legislation, but the setback indicated the government's days could be numbered. As always, after we lose, we won't return stronger and win the next round. Israeli Foreign Minister Yar Lapid. the Chief Architect of Government Alliance wrote in a statement on Twitter, some 500,000 Israeli settlers live in more than 120 settlements and outposts across the occupied West Bank that are considered illegal under international law. The settlements which are fortified Jewish-only housing complexes are continuing to expand in the occupied West Bank as well as occupied East Jerusalem. They are seen as a major obstacle to any potential deal with Israel. Attacks by Israeli settlers against Palestinians and their property are common. Settlers are usually backed by Israeli armed forces when committing such attacks. I think what's not mentioned in this article is that, um, you know, there's these... There is a recognized terrorist group named Hamas on the Palestinian side and the Palestinian Authority. There's not a recognized terrorist group on the Israeli side and an Israeli authority. So I just want to just mention the obvious there. You know, lumping all Palestinians into either they're all terrorists and affiliated with Hamas, they all indirectly support Hamas, or they don't. It's unclear because... Hamas is a recognized terrorist organization, whereas Israel is not a recognized terrorist organization. Hamas and the Palestinians try to fabricate that Israel is a a terrorist organization and uses terror to advance their agenda, but there is no formal recognition of Israel being any kind of terrorist organization. Um, I think the game-changer... I'm going to just comment and maybe find some more articles. The game changer in this is Iron Dome is is here. Iron Dome is here. Iron Dome is strong. Iron Dome won the war. And if you remember, and he didn't include this in his article, but after the May 2021 defeat of Hamas and Palestine... Um, There was no victory parade thrown in Israel as there should have been because, you know, Israel was victorious. Um, They had the class, at least, not to throw a victory parade, though they were the winners. Um, But no, instead, Palestine threw the victory parade, which was completely insane. They completely lost and they couldn't face losing to what they considered their inferior, weak Jewish counterparts, um, which are not inferior and not weak, and have the Iron Dome, and it's not going away, and uh, basically couldn't face the loss, went crazy, lost their heads, and threw a victory parade. I mean, that, when I read that, I was like, there's a screw loose. There is a screw loose with the Palestinians. Okay, okay. The UN screwed this whole thing up. Not the Jews, not Israel, the UN. And it's thoughtless bestowing of lands that it didn't really plan on, which then incited, you know, Jewish leaders to want to take more than I guess was originally allotted. I don't really know the total significance of these Western settlements, I'm not, I have to admit, I'm not really clear on why those particular Western Bank settlements in the Gaza Strip are so important to Israel. Um, I don't understand why any Jewish person would want to live there on the end of such a turbulent um, place, except for Pride, perhaps. Um, it's very unclear to me why they would want to live on a very um, tight-roped situation that's dangerous that also is not recognized by international law. So, I mean, if anyone can answer that for me, I would very much like to know Um, because that has never been explained. Nonetheless, um, the U.N. does need to rectify what it bestowed originally, and I would say at this point, Israel would need to comply with that. But I don't think the compliance has to mean relinquishment or forfeiting of the land. And this is a part that's not talked about in these official meetings by these so-called, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be snotty, but, you know, why? why do I have to think of this? And they're not talking about it. You know, listen, Israel wants to retain what's important to it. Palestine wants to be treated equally under the Israeli law. Fair enough, okay? Fair enough, reasonable, compromisable. This is not rocket science, but it will take a new understanding and a new structure for those disputed lands. And if that means that it is this like neutral zone, shared territory that gets a new name, a new identity, um, that doesn't require Jewish relinquishment of land, but does include a 50-50 governance with Palestinian leaders who are not associated with Hamas, and there needs to be massive background checks on those to vet the, the right Palestinians, not the violent ones, and Israelis who have every right to be touchy. Let's just be clear in the history here. You know, think what you want of Israel, think what you want of Israelis, think what you want of Jews, but they kind of have a right to be a little bit touchy and a little bit trigger happy and a little bit on edge. They're the only democracy out there, for one, which is why America has Israel's back. We support our fellow democracies and burgeoning democracies like Ukraine and Taiwan. And Israel, that is our American values, okay? Um, you know, grace, grace all over the place. Extra grace, extra grace for the Jewish people because they've earned it. Extra compassion, extra patience. Should this happen yesterday? I mean, yes, only in the sense of the Jewish intelligence, which is vast and Yes, they should know better. But it's not really about knowing better. It's more about embracing the new truth that they are the stronger, that the Iron Dome is here to stay, that the technological advances that the Israelis have put to use have have been successful. So there is a new identity. They are not this little bully in the Middle East that all these other countries can gang up on and kick around. Right? And then Iran goes ahead and makes enrichment of, you know, uranium to now nuclear capability. (laughs) So that happened. Did we catch that story? I did. And so, you know, they say, oh, we're not going to do anything with it. We're just powering. Yeah, you're not just powering your city. No one believes you. And, you know, yeah, they do plan to use military nuclear weapons with their enrichment of uranium. I mean, this is well known. Okay, so this is a touchy time. I don't think it's a time for the Jewish people to kowtow. I do think it's a time for them to re-embrace, or embrace, the strength of the Iron Dome, as the stronger, the strength of their affiliation with us was just strong and lasting, and really get it together to resolve this issue with the Palestinians regarding these lands in the form of a new country would be the simplest because it's a fresh start with a fresh country, with a fresh name. It is a co-governance. It is not relinquishing. It is sharing. Your table, my table, our table. We're coming to the table. We're breaking bread at the table. Not your table, not my table, our table, and we're eating at the same table. That's what the Palestinians say they want to be treated equally, right? Remedible, you know, easily remediable, remedial, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> easily fixable, needed, because Daniel's son has won the contest and he's no longer the bully that Johnny and his gang can kick around, Karate Kid style. You know, um, the Iron Dome is the game changer here. The technology, the ability to defend one's nation. It's proven with the war, and they could do it again. By the way, I haven't really heard a whole lot of Hamas attacks lately. Have you? No, I think that war from last year, you know, really kind of like, oh, we can't do that anymore. No, you can't. So, you know, then it would beg Israel to be the benevolent winner of the war and really make inroads here. So failing to pass the settlers, I mean, I'm glad it was brought up, but that more work needs to be done to get this resolved. And I don't know why living on the West Bank as a proud Israeli is so important. I don't. I would think resolving the apartheid issues would be more important to the pride of Israel at this point. I mean, isn't it true? To glean the international respect... Of a strong, benevolent nation that is able to defend itself, which we will always have the back of, um, I think is really important at this time. But I also have a problem in some ways with the word apartheid because it doesn't take on the legacy and history and longevity and all of that that, that I feel that is equivalent to South African struggle. Yes, there's technical similarities, but I, it still rubs me the wrong way to make it a total equivalency. Yeah, and it's not race based. There's all different colors of the rainbow in Judaism. There's black Jews, the lost tribe of Jan. there's as dark as they come. there's, you know, tan, all, all the colors for Jewish people. So it is not a racial issue. It's a territory issue. It's a land issue. Um, but it's also a mistake of the UN in its original bestowing and it is needed to be reworked and it needs Israel's compliance and cooperation to do so. And so, you know, that is what, that is where it's at. I don't know what it's going to take for the Israeli leaders at this point to really sit in their strength and own it and go, we are strong. We are defendable. Okay, we can breathe. Okay, let's come to the negotiating table. That's what I would like to see happen. Okay. Um, I'm very... I've followed this entire conflict my whole life, so I have a lot to say on it. Another problem. One-third of Israelis unwilling to work, study with transgender people. So... The issue really is coming to the forefront is Israel's tolerance. Um, It's really about tolerance, equality um, of people that are different. Now, of course, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Um, But, you know, this is highlighting areas where Israel needs to evolve. You know, the Jerusalem Post... Monday by Zivi Joffrey, one-third of Israelis are unwilling to work-study with transgender people. So that's an intolerant point of view um, that is very, very understandable by anyone Jewish who's been discriminated against. Right or ostracized or treated with anti-Semitism. A third of Israelis are unwilling to work or learn with transgender people. At a quarter of business are unwilling to employ transgender people, according to a new poll published by Transgenders for Social Justice. So, the poll was conducted by IPOS Market Research, a Public Opinion Company. The survey also found two thirds of Israelis feel that Israeli Israeli society is not tolerant of the trans community. <clears throat> The widespread unwillingness of Israeli employees to employ transgender people comes despite all business that do employ transgender people reporting that they're satisfied with their performance at work. According to the employers, the main people are religious beliefs and fears about... Oh, wait, our blocks to employing transgender people are religious beliefs and fears about deterring other employees or customers. Google and Project Gila have launched a campaign To support trans people in the workplace with video simulating, Google searches such as how do I tell people at work that I'm trans and emails between transgender people and employees show how to be accepting. The campaign is also putting up billboards around Israel reading make a space for everybody with both masculine and feminine forms of the words in Hebrew. Hebrew is a language in which all words are gendered as either zakar, masculine, or nekavya, feminine. I'm sorry I'm butchering that. Transphobia kills even when it comes in the form of discrimination and abuse in the labor market, says Bar Awaskar Yitzhak. I'm sorry, it's hard to pronounce these. CEO of Project Gila, the campaign is a reminder that the solution to our plight is the hands of the entire Israeli society. Let us earn a decent living with support in the workplace, even in the face of manifestations of transphobia and save lives. Transphobia kills even when it comes to form discrimination and abuse in the labor market. Bar Azwar says okay, we already read that. Also, along with the disturbing data that our survey revealed, there is a bright spot of over 75% of Israelis unwilling are willing to accept and service transgender, service transgender people and 100% employers who employ transgender workers are satisfied with their performance at work and this is a call for more and more employers to learn about and employ us, added Awaskar Uzak. Our campaign places at the center a successful transgender uh, woman because it was important to us to reflect the opportunities potential of the trans community to integrate into employment market, says Barak Re- Re- Regev, CEO of Google Israel. We entered into the partnership with the Gila Project out of desire to learn for ourselves so we can improve and make Google a more accessible and respectful society for the trans community. We already offer a subsidy for Gender reassignment surgery, grant for surrogacy services, and training for employees on the subject, added Regev. This month our teams will also undergo training from the Gila project so that we can better employ, retain, promote people in the trans community. Transgender Employment. 2019, the chance of a transgender person being unemployed was six times higher than that of a non-transgender person. According to the Israeli Institute for Gender and LGBTQ plus studies, only a quarter of transgender people in Israel worked full time and have half earned lower than the minimum wage. But 80% of trans community were located in the bottom three deciles, and the income of distribution in Israel in 2019. Additionally, about 50% of transgender people in Israel have experienced physical violence at least once based on their gender identity. 70% of trans community experiences verbal abuse regularly. There is a direct and strong link between the levels of unemployment and poverty among members of the trans communities and the high rates of suicide in it. With four to five transgender people considering suicide and about 40% attempting suicide at least once in their life, says Dr. Siegel Golden of the Israeli Institute for Gender and LGBTQ Plus Studies. It's important that employers in the economy understand... Sorry. Um that hiring workers from the trans spectrum will not only benefit with dedicated workers, but can save lives. In November, during Transgender Awareness Week, first of its kind survey carried out by the geocartography company released the Uh, The Israeli Institute for Gender and LGBTQ Studies and Project Gila found that 80% of Israelis said that it would be difficult or even impossible for them to accept knowing their child is transgender. On the other hand, the survey found that 67% of Israelis said they would have no issue working with a transgender colleague. About half of Israelis stated that they believe that there are only two genders, which are set by biology – One out of every six Israelis known as a transgender person with female Israelis tending to know more transgender people personally than men. So, I mean, you know, the tolerance is in the working together, but obviously the tolerance needs to be improved there. And, I mean, really this is the topic, the tolerance with the Palestinians too. I don't suggest tolerating Hamas um, terrorists, no. But, you know... Israelis do need to think of the peaceful Palestinians that do deserve um, equal rights there. And now that you're stronger, I do claim that Israel is mighty and strong and defensive and shows itself and all of this. um, With that, and, you know, this could be the part that just takes a little bit of time. With that new identity of being a strong nation, and I mean militarily strong in its self-defense, you know, with that, then... Be, be okay when you're the stronger more mercy is required of you when you are stronger more benevolence is required of you when you are the stronger more flexibility and compromises respect is is expected of you why because you are the stronger pretty much now i mean this has not been necessarily the experience of the jews in the world They've always been on the run. They've been kicked out of everywhere, um, you know, um, persecuted to no end. Mercy barely ever, rarely shown. Um, and yet Jehovah is faithful, because He is, and Jehovah being Jehovah God, as Christians know, and as Jewish know, as Jews know. Um, and why would He be faithful? Because That is his pledge, and also because they need him. And that's pretty much to sum up the spiritual parts of it. They will need him more than any other group, and so they have him more than any other group, and he protects them more than any other group overall, considering. Spare? Not always spared from persecution, no. But protects? I mean, obviously, one can say for such a small group of people to have sustained so so far and prospered and then now become mighty in the military defense. This is quite impressive. But with that, and this is still relatively new, identity has to shift from victim to stronger. And stronger must require greater mercy to Who? To people that are different and to people that occupy the same space. So that's why I say the answer is, in my view, very clear. And I know we only have a less than a minute to go here, and so we'll end with this. But I really do feel that Israel does not need to relinquish one bit of land. It does need to redistribute and share co-op you know equally with the Palestinians in the governance. What better way than to redesign the disputed territories as a new two-state solution where both can dwell? Where it's not a, you know, hey, we're going to settle in the West Bank and agitate you because we can. And no, we're not going to treat you the same because we don't have to. Um, Now it's about the right thing to do, not just making a strong statement. I trust The Jews will hear this in time.